to the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you haven't joined us before, we're passionate about all things internal medicine and helping you become the best tech you can be. We'll be discussing interesting internal medicine diseases, how to work closely with pet parents, and how to become the go-to tech in your practice. Now, let's start the show. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for listening and making commitment to your learning. We hope that you're doing well. I'm one of your hosts. I am Yvonne Brandenburg, joined by the lovely Jordan Porter. Hey, girl. Hi. Hey. Uh, it is a Sunday before ACVAM. It is the Sunday before ACVAM, and I'm not going to see you this year, and I'm kind of heartbroken about it. I'm sorry. Are you, though? I am because like animals, whatever. I know (laughs) Matt and I even talked about it where we're like, this kind of sucks because it's like, he was like, you could totally go. And I was like, yeah, I know. And then like, I didn't. Yeah. That's okay. We'll figure out some other time to make you leave your house. (laughs) I know. Right. (laughs) I say next year you plan for the kids to be like at the grandparents house during ACBIM week. (laughs) Okay. I, I'm just just saying though, leaving the house is overrated. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you on that. <laughs> uh, yep, it is June 2023. Whoop, whoop. So all of you that, um, well, this goes live on Tuesday. It does. Ooh. So for those of you who sat for your exams this morning, congratulations. Um, we know <laughs> how difficult that is. Uh, Jordan, you did it four years, years ago? ago now. Yeah. That's crazy. And Tell I think I did it, is it seven years ago? It's either six or seven years ago. I don't know. It's all blurring together at this point. Um, but yeah, that's crazy. I know. Tell me about it. It's just like, I don't know. It's It's hard to believe that it was four years ago. Because <laughs> like in the moment it was like so stressful and like such a big part of my life that like yeah. it doesn't seem like it should have gone by as fast as it did <laughs> <laughs> I mean we did have a pandemic in between which made everything seem bizarre time-wise so yeah <laughs> I guess that's true yeah crazy I know that means that this October will be four years for the podcast Oh my God. <laughs> like four years ago, the the thought of the podcast started percolating, which is crazy. Um, and here we are still still going at it. Which how how many episodes do we have now? I don't even know. Hundred and what this is 167? 166. <laughs> no. 166. Something like that. Somewhere yeah. in there. Yeah. Which is crazy. We've uh, been talking to everybody for that long. <laughs> yeah. Tell me about it. Like, it just doesn't feel like it should be this long. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I remember, like, I found some stuff from, like, our, our files that we were going through. And it was like, oh, yay, we got 300 total listens. And I'm like, oh, how cute. <laughs> oh we're on episode six. Oh, that's nice <laughs> we are much past that now so which is crazy but yeah yeah um we 
are doing, we were kind of getting our feet back into doing our monthly CE. So this, like, what was that yesterday? It was yesterday, right? Mm-hmm. Yesterday we did one um, on blood transfusions uh, next month. So July, we're going to do, we have, we, we were trying to figure out which one we haven't done in a while and that people like, and we're going to do our normal cat vomiting. There's no such thing. Um, so we're doing that next month. And then, so that'll be in July. And then August we have planned renal disease. Okay. So we're, we're getting kind of back into the swing of all of that. So sorry, we took a couple months off for moving and brain breaks and <laughs> kids and all sorts of stuff. So all the things, all the things. Yeah. So next month it is going to be a little bit of a different date just because of it being the summer and things had to be moved around a little bit. So in July, we're planning to do it July 22nd, which is a Saturday, 1130 AM Pacific time, 230 Eastern, 230. Yes. 230 yep. Eastern. I was like, Oh, can I do this time math thing? <laughs> <laughs> Um, so just make sure that if you want to join, um, you, if you're a member in the internal medicine for vet techs membership, it is part of the membership. So it's free to join our monthly CE, which is live. It is race approved. Um, if you were not in the membership, you are still welcome to come. Uh, you just need to sign up and there is uh, a small fee associated with it. If you're not a member, uh, and you can find that on the internal medicine for vet website, uh, which if you look at, um, learn from us, I think there's a drop down for, for all the, the CE. So, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's what's happening in July. Um, anything else fun, exciting we have to share this month? It's too early for me to start talking about my birthday. So <laughs> is that the, that's July 29th, yeah. 28th. Dang it. Oh, I'm so years gone. <laughs> I know you would think I would remember, but I don't. Ugh. I don't blame you. It's all right. I have a hard time remembering my children. Well, I, that's <laughs> true because theirs are two weeks before mine and two weeks after mine. Theirs are actually super easy. Yeah. I should remember yours because it's four days before mine. Right. And I say this every year. (laughs) (laughs) Like I should remember this. I never do. I'm dude. I was bad. I barely remember my parents' birthdays. Like it's right. Well, luckily again, my dad's (laughs) four days before mine and my mom's is two weeks after mine. So it's like, Oh man. Oh God. Your entire family is all within like two weeks of each other. Yeah. Except Except for for Matt. Yeah, my brother and my husband. <laughs> They're the weirdos that aren't Leos. Nice. <laughs> Pretty much. I don't don't ask me what they are though. I don't have a clue. I I'm unless I know like specifically because I know someone else who's around that time, I wouldn't know either. So yeah, like I I, Not that cool. I go back, I think Matt's a Scorpio. It really doesn't matter. <laughs> like it's just when's his birthday? Uh November 20th. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's a Scorpio. Cause my mom's a Scorpio. So that makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. <laughs> the things that you guys never thought you'd be listening to on this podcast. <laughs> like the things that you don't need. To <laughs> <laughs> oh, so funny. All right. Um, 
Anything else right now that I can think of? Let's see, we've got ACBIM this week. So if you see me in the wild, please say hello. I found my swag, which is so exciting. I can't, I was freaking out that I wouldn't find it before ACBM. So I found it. I'll take it with me. <laughs> so please say hi so I can give out goodies. Um, so that's this month. Next month, I'll be at the ABMA in Denver and UC Conti in uh, Irvine, California. So I've got a bunch of stuff coming up. Um, oh, and if you're in Oregon um, and you're uh, one in the Oregon Vet Tech, uh, Veterinary Technician and Assistance Association, I'll be doing a presentation the end of this month um, for the association, which is kind of fun. Boop, boop. Yeah. Support your local Vet Tech Associations. Boop, boop. Look at you getting around. I know. Sorry. I well, I planned most of these before I knew I was moving this year. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's fine. I'm getting through it. <laughs> and I'm yeah. signing up for more. It's, it's fine. It's fine. Good. I actually do like speaking at conferences. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. And I like going new places. Yeah. I like speaking. It's just hard for me to do the travel part. Like it's just yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Like for one of them, it's a one day conference and I literally fly in the day before and leave the day of, I'm like, Nope, I don't need to spend a bunch of time in that city. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> like save, save the money on the hotel. I just need one night. <laughs> so. All right. Well this week we're going to talk about snail bait. So meta aldehyde poisoning in dogs and cats. Um, it was, it was crazy because I haven't dealt with a snail bait in so long. Uh, yeah, I, I never really remember dealing with some crazy snail baits. Yeah, I've never de- dealt with the snail bait toxicity. Never? Never. Wow. That's crazy. I know. Because how long were you in GP? Like eight years, nine years. And you never saw one in GP? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Crazy. I saw it when I was at general practice. Um, I don't know. I guess you could teach me a thing and then I'll see if I'm like, oh, snap, I have come across those symptoms. No, no, you totally would know. You would totally know what it is. Yeah. I've never dealt with a, like, yeah, no. No. (laughs) All right. Well, and this could be because of where you live. So there's that. So I don't know if you have slugs and snails a ton in your area. I mean, like we too i mean i wouldn't say a ton but like they're here i just mm. i don't think i've never considered them a nuisance yeah that's probably why um so anyways metaldehyde right snail bait so it's for slugs and snails and slugs and snail slugs and snails wow <laughs> puppy dog tails apparently um, <laughs> in our wet coastal areas so for us in the Bay Area, San Francisco Bay Area, we we that's where I saw it. Um, I'm sure up here in Oregon, it probably is a little more common since there's definitely more water here than in the Bay Area. Um, but basically, it I should have seen it. <laughs> right, exactly. So it it comes in a couple of different formulations. So it comes in like a liquid powder, granular, or pelleted formulation. The ones that I've seen have been this like liquid that goes around your plants. 
Um, and it just really depends on how strong it is, depending on the brand. Um, the big thing with it is, is it's really tasty because they add bran or molasses to it to make it so that the slugs and snails go to it. But the problem with that is it makes it super palatable for dogs and cats too. And, and in other species as well. So that's kind of crazy. It's interesting. Cause like, I wonder if it's just, it's, I mean, it's gotta be like demographically different for you and I, right? Like, because mm -hmm. I wonder if like, if you Google how to prevent slugs in your area, like products come up versus when I Googled it, like two months ago, when I did have slugs, like on my plants outside, it comes up with like coffee grounds and eggshells. And I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> like, Yeah. I think, and I think there's other ways to do it. Like copper. Like if you put like a line of copper around things, like it'll yeah. them so they don't. So I think that's the other thing too, is like, I think people, I think people are trying to be more organic too, yeah. instead yeah, of just using all the chemicals. So that might be part of it too. Cause like, if I think about it, when I saw that snail bait at my general practice, that was probably, probably 15 years ago. Yeah. Like I, I bet you it is just getting yeah. like natural and just like, cause yeah, I got coffee grounds and eggshells outside and it works great. <laughs> like, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so the, the meta aldehyde, it, um, it, it basically, it remains effective, like in the environment for about 10 days. Um, for, so the problem is birds and mammals are, um, susceptible to it. So not just slugs and snail. Um, and the, yeah. And the lethal dose ranges anywhere from a hundred to 600 milligrams per keg, depending on the species. Um, in dogs, it is, which is funny because there's actually a different range here. In dogs, the LD50, um, so lethal dose for 50% of the population, is um, 100 mg per kg. In, uh, in horses, which is crazy, in horses, it's 60 mg per kg. Um, but I <laughs> wonder if that's because they're so big that, I don't know, that's a lot of product, <laughs> 60 product. Mix per keg, you know versus a dog 100 mix per keg it volume wise is way smaller <laughs> so yeah. I, don't, I don't know if like maybe that's why but anyways um and then cats uh it's about it's it's funny in cats it's 207 milligrams per keg um although cats tend to not be stupid um and tend to not eat snail bait and i think it's because they don't like sweet stuff as much Right? Yeah. So that could be why they're not eating as much. But anytime we talk about having a dose of two migs per kg or greater in dogs, they really should be decontaminated um, because it could be, it could be an issue. So it's not a ton like, yes, lethal dose is a hundred, but at two migs per kg, we should be, we should be getting them. Um, uh, we should be getting the, the metalaldehyde out of them. So an example of that is, um, and this is from um, the ASPCA um, website. And actually this, the article that I got most of this from, which is, it's really good. So there's the, um, obviously Merck Veterinary Manual, love them. Um, there's also an article on VIN, and then there's an ASPCA Pro PDF that was really nice. So this, this information comes from those three 
sites, basically. Um, but an example that they gave was a 4.5 kg dog ingests one teaspoons of a 2% metaaldehyde, which um, that's kind of right in the middle of the range of what is normally there. Most, most formulations are anywhere between one and a half to 5%. Um, so 2% is like low, <laughs> but it's kind of an average one. Uh, and ingested a dose of 22 mg per keg, um, well over that two mg per keg trigger dose. So they definitely should be decontaminated and treated. Um, so kind of one of the weird things about, uh, snail bait is that, um, in when it's ingested, um, the stomach acid starts to kind of break it down. So does a, a partial hydrolysis in the stomach and it, um, produces acetylaldehyde, which, um, both metaaldehyde and acetylaldehyde are rapidly absorbed in the GI tract. So what happens is we break it down. The GI tract says, great, let me just absorb it. And then, um, it start. it actually pretty rapidly gets absorbed into this bloodstream and causes issues. Like you can usually see within like, I think it's 30 minutes. Um, you'll start to see clinical signs of it, uh, cause it's really rapidly metabolized. So, um, the other thing that can happen is we have enterohepatic circulation that actually prolongs the, the metal aldehyde in the system. So, um, you know, it, it can reabsorb that way, which is why we also use, um, uh, charcoal to absorb it. So it doesn't get reabsorbed. Um, but eventually both metaaldehyde and acetylaldehyde are processed and excreted in the urine. So that's how eventually it gets out. Um, so what happens is with metaaldehyde and acetylaldehyde, Basically what happens is it affects the neurotransmitter um, concentration and reactions in the brain. So what basically what it does is it, it decreases, I'm going to say this, but I'm not sure I'm ever going to say it right. Gamma aminobutyric acid, um, oh, which <laughs> that, I know, right? So that particular acid, basically what it does is it, it inhibits neurotransmitters that cause CNS excitation. So what happens is the metaaldehyde bonds to that acid and basically makes it not work. So the body is homeostasis way of like making it so the CNS calms down. Well, that's gone. So what happens is you actually get CNS overexcitement and it just can't stop. Um, so I'm guessing you probably can start figuring out what happens to some of these patients when we have too much CNS excitement. Yeah. And things can't stop. So the problem is the more of these acids that are decreased, the 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 lower that they are, the more mortality increases. So it's a direct direct correlation with that. The other thing that happens is we get serotonin and norepinephrine that is decreased in the CNS, which also decreases the threshold for seizures. Yeah. Um, muscle tremors and production of acidic maldehyde, metaaldehyde metabolites. 
Um, So all that stuff can also cause um, severe electrolyte disturbances and um, we can get some metabolic acidosis um, from things not settling down. (laughs) Um, The other big thing that um, is common with this because of the severe muscle tremors and everything is hyperthermia. Um, So hyperthermia is going to be a huge factor in mortality for these patients because the muscle tremors, they just can't stop seizing. Um, so these guys will sometimes come in with temperature of 107, um, or higher. And the problem is that at 107, that's when we start getting, um, cellular necrosis in organs, which is all sorts of bad. So 107 is a scary number. You're right. I would have probably recognized this. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's crazy. Um, yeah, it causes, which is crazy because, because of the electrolyte disturbances and the acid bases that are messed up, um, the acidosis that is now being created also causes more CNS depression and hyperpnea. So they can't blow off their CO2. So it's like, it's just all sorts of bad. It's all sorts of bad. So I'm sure you want to know about the clinical signs now, if you can't figure out what they are. <laughs> yes, but. <laughs> so um, the way, obviously it's dose dependent, right? If they just get a small amount, they're not going to have as many issues, but the, the more they ingest, the higher that dose, the worse the problems. The biggest thing that happens is the neurologic um, issues. So those start happening anywhere from a couple of minutes up to three hours after ingestion, depending on how much they're getting. But you get severe muscle tremors, anxiety, hyperesthesia, ataxia, tachycardia, and hyperthermia. No big deal. No big, no big deal. deal. It's fine. Um, we also get, as, as the acidosis gets worse, we get um, severe depression and hyperpnea. Um, we talked about that already. If it keeps going, we get opposthotness, so that rigid stretching while they're seizing, um, and continuous tonic convulsions. And oh, and the other thing too is like they're extremely sensitive to stimuli. Um, so these patients, if like loud noises will set them off. Um it, I hated dealing with these patients. We had a ton of them like when I first started working in vet med. Yeah. You also will get vomiting, diarrhea, hypersalivation, abdominal pain, cyanosis, dyspnea. In horses, they'll start sweating. Sure. <laughs> Mydriasis and nystagmus in cats. So, yeah. If we don't deal with all this stuff, it can be lead to a coma. And then basically death from respiratory failure within a few hours of exposure. Or liver failure in two to three days after exposure. That's horrible. Yeah. They, dude, these suck. Yeah. Oh. That sounds horrible. Yeah. Cause the way they present, dude, like if you've never seen it, it's like you get those patients that come in and they're just like seizing. And I'll never forget this. When I was working in clinic, we have these two dogs from the same household. One was like a labish size and one was like, I don't even know, it was some terrier mix thing. And they both came in just horribly seizing, just horrible. Um, and it turned out they had gotten into, into snail bait 
And so we had to like decontaminate them, but it was like, they had already started absorbing. So we were like, man, we were, we were doing, we anesthetized them actually, because they were so bad. Like we couldn't control their seizing with like the drugs, which we'll talk about in a minute, but we ended up anesthetizing them. Um, and we were doing like enemas to try to get the stuff out of them and charcoal. And it was just, it was was crazy. And I was a baby tech at the time. So I was just like, this is the most intense thing I've ever seen. Cause we had like the two of them on yeah. tables next to each other anesthetized, like decontaminating. I mean, that like, sounds intense even for like a senior person. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so um I think so the other thing that that we'll see is um because of the hyperthermia, because of the the just seizing that they're doing, um, you're going to see potential changes to like the liver, the kidneys, pulmonary, um, and intestinal, just because like d- the body does not like being that, that hot. And so things just start changing. So it's like, we're dealing with that because of the hyperthermia. Um, and then we can also get... <laughs> We can also get neuronal degeneration of the brain. So the neurons are degenerating and then um, we can get swelling of the cells in the brain and in the liver. Um, obviously that's probably necropsy. I don't think that's something that you're going to be seeing on a yeah. you know, healthy patient. Um, so basically what we're looking at is we want to get a full history from the clients just to make sure like, is, have they been exposed to this? Right. Um, is that something that they could have gotten into? Um, the, the, when, when this is kind of weird, but if you do stomach contents, if you do, um, uh, stomach tube, it can have, they call it this distinctive cider apple like odor. So it's that sweet brand, like weird. It's, it's very strange. And it's the ones I've seen have been this like black gray color. So like you see that as well. Um, so apparently one thing you can do, like, so this is, especially if you suspect like somebody's poisoning an animal versus like they got into it, you can get that gastric contents and like freeze them. And then they can look for the meta aldehyde and acetyl aldehyde concentrations in the gastric contents. Um, so that's one way to see, yes, they did get. Yeah. That's a way to like confirm that they were, mm-hmm. they actually did ingest this product. Yeah. You can do urine, blood or liver tissues. Um, but the results are not super reliable. So it's like, I don't know. I think. Yeah. Um, so the problem is, is like, yes, you can get it. Um, you can get it analyzed at a lab, but it's not super specific. Necropsies, um, on dogs tend to be pretty nonspecific. You can see like inflammation and hyper, uh, hyperemia. It's like, it, it sucks because it's not, yeah. um, definitive diagnosis, which kind of sucks. So, um, Differential diagnosis for these, anything neurologic, GI or pulmonary, just because of what's going on with them. Uh, The other things, there's a bunch of drugs that could be, you know, indicated for poisoning. So strychnine, because it's similar 
Actually, I think some some of them have strychnine in them, which is crazy. Um, bromethylene, which we talked about in yeah. the rat bait one, right? Yeah. Um, organophosphates. There's a bunch, there's a huge list. Um, yeah. Pyrethrins, green blue green algae. Sometimes compost can because of um, the toxins that are from the mushroom fungus in there. So there's that. Um, yeah. So other diseases that cause epilepsy that all that fun business. So there's a, there's a laundry list of toxins that can be ruled out. Um, oh, so hopefully the client brings the box in and is like, this is what they got into. Cause that's always the best. It's never that easy. I know. I mean, with ours, it was, it was kind of crazy. Um, yeah. we knew exactly what they got into. Um, that's good. Yeah. So the big treatment goals for these guys is to prevent further metaldehyde absorption. So making sure we kind of don't have that, um, the hepatic re GI hepatic reuptake thing. Um, we control our clinical signs, right? We make sure that we get their temperature under control. We monitor for acidosis and dehydration and in supportive care. Like that's, that's the big thing. Cause unfortunately there is no antidote for metaldehyde. So you kind of have to like, let it ride out, which sucks. Oh, no. Yeah. You so, have to like, literally catch a runaway train. Yes. Yep. Yep. <laughs> um, if you can get a patient that's asymptomatic, you can make them vomit. Um, but typically that's really, really, really quick. Um, usually within 30 minutes of ingestion, which is pretty quick. And I don't know, I don't know anybody yeah, can get to like, my clinic in 30 minutes unless they're around the corner. <laughs> so, yeah. But that would have to be like, oh man, that, oh man. Yeah. yeah. This, um, I don't like this toxin. <laughs> no, which is why I'm probably why a lot of people don't have it around their animals. Cause it's, it's horrible. Yeah. So if you've got a large that. ingestion, um, they recommend anesthetizing them, gastric lavage. You make sure that you have your endotracheal tube is, is cuffed really well placed. Cause you do not want them to aspirate with a gastric lavage. Cause it's easier to do. Um, we do activated charcoal repeated doses. Um, at half the original dose every six to eight hours until <laughs> I think for a couple of days, um, we can use the activated car, uh, charcoal with sorbitol because, uh, well, as long as our patient's not dehydrated or having diarrhea, right. So we make sure we yeah. can get that out because we want it to get out as quick as possible. Warm water enemas can also help remove the metaldehyde from the GI tract. The other big thing is methocarbamol um, because we want to control those tremors. Um, so we just want to make sure we don't exceed our maximum daily dose. We can use um, Valium, so diazepam, if we're having, um, you know, the neurologic seizure type signs. Um, barbiturates should be used with caution since, um, some of those drugs actually compete with the acetaldehyde, uh, metabolism. So we want to make sure we avoid barbiturates, um, inhaled anesthesia, especially if you've got a patient who's already hit their max dose of methocarbamol that can help with the refractory seizures. And then you're going to want IV fluids probably with, um, uh, 
sodium bicarb or sodium lactate just to help with the acidosis, um, checking your electrolytes, making sure we're supplementing as needed. Uh, let's see. Oh my goodness. Um, <laughs> making sure we're cooling them down to appropriate temperatures, um, and not overcooling them because then we don't want to deal with trying to heat them. That's a whole, we've talked about in our, in our heat stroke episodes yeah. about that. Yeah. Um, what was that? Like Smoji, a Smoji effect for the hypothalamus. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. It's so true. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I can think about every time we talk about like rapidly cooling. <laughs> I'm just like, too, hey. too fast. <laughs> yeah. Um, then they also say that IV dextrose or calcium boroglucanate, which I don't know if I've ever used calcium boroglucanate, um, can help minimize some of the liver damage. Um, one of the things that can happen, especially if we can't get those seizures or tremors under control, the excessive muscle activity can cause myoglobinemia or myoglobinuria. That makes um, sense. Which can yeah. cause renal dysfunction just because myoglobinuria like the the kidneys hate that <laughs> so have that thick of urine like filled with, like, protein and like broken down muscle <laughs> like seriously i bet the kidneys love that yeah they're like they're getting punched i'm like it's like them filtering like sludge and not like yeah oh yeah anyway um, so we definitely do our diuresing di these patients to try to get that out of there too. Um, the good thing <laughs> is oh, meta there is a good thing. <laughs> the good thing is metaaldehyde and acetaldehyde are rapidly uh, eliminated from the body. Um, typically the half-life is about set, uh, 27 hours, which compared to some of our other poisonings we've talked about, it's been pretty bad. Um, so with liver damage, um, typically we want a baseline and then about 72 hours after exposure and then kind of as needed, depending on if we see any changes with the liver, um, cause they can have, obviously we talked about it, liver failure, which is never a good thing. So yeah. Yeah. Snail bait. <laughs> it sounds horrible. It is horrible. <laughs> Sounds it like sucks because like, I remember like even the ones that weren't super severe, like we, we had a couple that they got into it, we decontaminated them and we put them into like a room where it was quieter and we'd have to put like cotton balls in their ears because anytime they'd hear any noise, they'd like start tremoring again. And so then you'd be like, get them at the carbon ball. <laughs> um, and you'd have to like get them under control and it just, ugh. Which is like near impossible to find a quiet area in a vet Right? Like yeah. that's when you start recognizing all the sounds around you where you're like, stop opening that cage door or like, you know? And it's yeah. Like, yeah. It's so true. So true. Or you're like, I thought it was quiet back here, but then like yeah. <laughs> this dog is reacting to everything. Oh man, the stress. That gives me anxiety thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I can't even imagine like if I was a dog owner and I came home and found my dog like that, because like with a uh, seizure, yeah. you know, with most seizures, like a true seizure, not this, right. They stop on the way yeah. to the vet clinic or as you're picking them up. No, these guys. And they go back to normal. 
like <laughs> relatively normal right depending yeah. on them but like these guys it's like they're like you pick them up and they're seizing and maybe they're seizing worse because now you've stimulated them and then you get them in the car and it's more stimulation so it's like they're seizing the entire way to the vet hospital and they're seizing as they're coming in like there's there's no stopping <laughs> of the tremor slash seizures um and it's just and I apologize to my neuro peeps that are probably like, it's not a seizure. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, it is, but it's also muscle tremors. But yeah, it's it sucks. Yeah. So yeah, this is probably why coffee grounds and eggshells are great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they really do work great. And so like, I don't know, I guess maybe where I used to live though too, like clearly people didn't garden because now... Like, I didn't recognize slugs as an issue until, like, I had peppers in my yard and then, like, trying mm-hmm. to grow. But then I'm... I don't know. I haven't seen many little slugs. I did see the giant, like, three-inch slugs when we first moved here and it was super wet, but I haven't seen a ton of them since then. Okay. Um, but, yeah, everything's eating our plants right now. Like, birds, squirrels, deer, turkeys. I'm like, yeah. whatever. <laughs> but yeah definitely check out like the merck veterinary manual the vin and the aspsca pro because that's where this information came from like i said um hopefully you guys aren't dealing with a lot of snail bait toxicities it's not a problem yeah snail bait super that's stupid wild. yeah that's wild <laughs> wild. don't use snail bait in your house ha- near your house jordan it'd be bad yeah, that is, yeah, I don't think I ever will. <laughs> <laughs> I also would feel guilty because of all the snails that I bought to put in my pond. Like if I started putting oh, poison around. That's true. <laughs> that's true. All right. Well, that is it on the snail bait front. <laughs> yeah. Well, cool. All right. Sweet. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. We hope everybody has a great week. Have a wonderful week at ACVIM, Yvonne. I will miss you. I know. I'll miss you. Hello, everybody. I said hi, and I'm still alive. (laughs) I might have to, like, put you on my phone so people can see you. (laughs) (laughs) So, all right. We will talk to you guys next week. Bye. Uh, Bye, guys. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you like what you heard, we'd love for you to share with someone you think might enjoy the podcast and make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Want to give us a boost? Please leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher and we'll be sure to say thank you. Find out everything about us at internalmedicineforvettechs.com. Talk to you next week. Bye.